the Monkey Off My Backlog, the podcast where we expand our pop culture horizons by exploring movies, music, television, and books that are new to us. I'm Sam. I'm Tessa. And we're doing it again. We're back. We're back with Megan and Jack to talk about the 2023 Academy Awards. Hello, Megan. Woo! It's the crowd going wild. (laughs) Ah. Hello, Jack. Hello. All right. We made it. It's an annual thing now. We did it. A tradition even. (laughs) Jack and Megan are our official Oscars Academy Awards correspondents. I'm getting a plaque. <laughs> Somebody call Topol because it's all about tradition here. Oh, God. <laughs> Watch that movie one time. You watched it one time and now she's obsessed with it. Well, I'll never be a I'll never be a rich man or a rich girl to quote you know. To quote the Bard Stefani. <laughs> no. No. He's going to say, well, first you quoted Fiddler and then you quoted Gwen. <laughs> to, quote, to quote possibly the least most popular uh, voice judge ever, only possibly surpassed by her dude, <laughs> Blake Shelton. I hate to do this to you guys. I think people really like Blake Shelton. Oh, no, I I know they really like, I do. I don't enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like knowing that's a thing. Yeah, he was- Former sexiest man alive. Uh, Jesus, he was? Yeah. And like way more modern than he should have been. (laughs) Uh, Like three years ago. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I haven't seen The Voice in a long time, but I, I believe you. Speaking of things I haven't seen, let's start off. Oh, that was such a good transition, but I'm not ready to go there. there We're not there yet. Damn it. (laughs) Hey, guys. Start with you, Megan. Opening thoughts, initial thoughts about the nominee field this year. So I I feel like I've lost my mind a little bit having done this however many years now. Um, of, you know, carry out the Oscars because some years I feel like I'm like, that's a pretty good year. And some years I'm like, it's a terrible year. I'm almost never like, it's a great year. Perfect. Everything's gone the way I wanted it to. (laughs) Pretty close year. I, you know, I think there's, I, we would never go into this without, you know, some egregious snubs or at least in my book. But I think when I was going into it and saying, this is what I really want to see. I got almost everything I wanted, so I'm relatively happy. Jack, what do you think? Movies are back, baby. (laughs) I think this is one of the better years that we've had recently. Definitely the best year since the pandemic started. I know that's only now three Oscars. Those were a long few years. (laughs) Yes. It's a long stretch. Parasite winning feels like a literal different lifetime. (laughs) Yep. It's definitely one of the better years that I can remember of the last 10 years for Oscar nominees. There are definitely some egregious snubs, which you guys will discuss in a future episode. But I think overall, this is a pretty good year. My least favorite of the Best Picture nominations. I can't be too upset that it's nominated. I mean, I wouldn't have nominated it. There are other movies I would have put there, but like, I get it. And the other nine, I'm very happy to 
that they're there. It makes sense that they're there. And so I'm overall pretty happy with the nominations with some major the major snubs slash why are these people nominated? Yeah, I think most of my surprises are, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. I mean, I think that Andrea Riseborough caught everyone off guard. I mean, you know, it had been like the hot topic for like a month before the Oscars, but setting a very strange precedent. I love The Woman King. I'm a big Gina Prince-Brythewood stan. So I think she's a very almost like classic type of filmmaker. And if this was an uh, Oscar in like early 2000s, you know, this would be getting like gladiator attention. But I think that's just a little less sexy of a choice in 2023. Unless Andrew Riseborough. Oh, I mean... (laughs) Friggin' Diane Warren ruining my life. Sorry, no offense to that song. <laughs> All offense to that movie, Oscar which was not winner, Diane Warren. Winner. I thought that when she got the the win, that we would stop having to watch whatever movie Diane Warren, who I have met and was very polite, but is the bane of my existence. Um, <laughs> uh, so I yeah, we, we can get into that later. But I also Jack, I want to guess which is the um the best picture nominee that you are uh, not a fan of. Yeah. Take a guess. We want to know. I feel like it's got to be Elvis. Yeah. (laughs) Really? All right. That's really interesting. It's not surprising though. No, that Tom Hanks performance. No, I mean, it's not surprising because I completely disagree. Yeah, about the no, field I mean, that's, that, that's what I'm trying to say is that <laughs> oh. we're opening with a disagreement just like we did last year. So, I mean, it feels right. It feels Ooh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I understand why it's there. Mm-hmm. I just, it wouldn't have been in my top 20. Sure. So, no. I just, I don't I'm... think it was in my top 50. <laughs> last, year, last year it was Don't Look Up. That was the divisive. Right. Oh, I just, yes. I think that. This year's interesting because I, I I told Tessa, was it last night that I said yeah. this? I just don't feel like this is a very strong year. And and you clarified and said I there said that are, there are th- very high highs. Which is true. Yeah. Absolutely. But I have not enjoyed watching the field as much as I have in the last couple of years. I'm a little irritated that we can't complete the the watches this year but knowing that i can't complete them i'm kind of like eh, some of these might not get seen and that's unfortunate i think i i think i'm somewhere in between everybody like i think i have a higher opinion of most of these films than sam does but there were definitely films that i think a lot of people are liking that i was just kind of meh about and we're de- we're going to definitely get into that as we go through some of these films but such high highs. Like, that's the thing. I'm, like, I'm so worried that this is going to end up with me defending, like, Tar with my life. <laughs> no, 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 we did tar love Tar. Fine. That, oh, okay. no, you know, like, it's fine. I, I will say, as I think my, my hot take before we get into the actual nominees, I read something yesterday. I, I can't remember the outlet, but I was reading it and I was like, yeah, people are going to come around on Babylon. Babylon. People are coming back around on that pretty soon. Uh, as Babylon. I would have put Babylon over Elvis. Well, you wouldn't. No, I would. Oh, I was gonna say yeah. it like Jack. I was when, it, <laughs> when when we were when I was watching the SAGs and I saw that it was nominated for best ensemble. I was like, oh, 
we are aware of this movie. I thought Babylon was fantastic. I left that theater knowing that it was made with this dummy in mind. That would have been a good theater movie right there. That would would have been been a good good theater movie. Also, I feel like Margot Margot Robbie's dress in that first sequence should just like win every award. Like that that red dress she's wearing. Is it technically a dress? What? Is it technically a dress? Yes, it's it just, technically a dress. Or is it like just maybe a, a well-placed scarf? A sash? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, if you feel bad about missing that one in theaters, you don't need to, because I saw it on opening night with two other people in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Um, okay. Uh, so... Are we are we ready to jump back on that transition that I had earlier? Yeah, yes, I am. Yeah. Okay. All right. I don't remember it, but it's fine. Let's talk about the two best picture nominees that neither Sam nor Tessa have seen. That's right. I'm talking about the two most similar movies nominated for best picture, Avatar and Triangle of Sadness. Both take place on the water. There's a lot of open water in both of those. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, we'd love to hear your There's opinions. We can start some with each side. <laughs> <laughs> we can start with Triangle of Sadness. Um, if one of you two want to start talking us through that film. You, by the way, you can watch it on Hulu starting tomorrow. Amazing. Yes. We're just recording a day early. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Triangle of Sadness. I... Liked it okay. I liked the idea of it more than the execution, maybe. I, Ruben Osland is, uh, you know, uh, I guess Oscar favorite in a way. His uh, movie, The Square, won a few years ago. Um, my favorite of his, Force Majeure, which was like remade into a Will Ferrell, Julia Louis Dreyfus movie, I think is maybe better executed than this. But I mean, the one thing that really came out of this is everyone was really high on. Uh, the performance of Dolly DeLeon, who uh, really kind of carries this last act of the movie. No spoilers. Let me ask you, what is this movie about? Like, just at all? Capitalism. Oh, it's that movie. Ah. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, um, good deal. I mean, just like the menu. Yeah, it is an eat the rich situation. <laughs> um I think there are moments where it might be a little heavy-handed. I think, I don't know. I liked it okay. It is not my favorite on the list. It's not my least favorite on the list. Shout out to Elvis. <laughs> I did. I was surprised to see it here because I do think it's one of the more quieter kind of movies being talked about. I, I like how you described it as heavy-handed and about capitalism. So I think we might want to call this the honorary "Don't Look Up" nomination. You might you might miss that it's about capitalism if you're not paying. <laughs> That's a joke. You will not. <laughs> uh, well, they might if they're a little squeamish about vomit. Right. That is, there is some of the most uh, capitalistic comments or critique of them are while people are also pooping and. Throwing this up. is. This is a year where there's a lot of vomiting and scatological humor. Maybe in, that's why Babylon didn't get nominated. Babylon was the same they were way. like one movie. Yeah. Just one. Well, didn't you know that COVID makes you very vomity and very <laughs> shitty? I, so I have not heard people that. I, just, I heard it was just a cold. So people are just writing it all out. Yeah. They're just like, here you are. Just got to <laughs> spew it out of my system one way or another. What did you think about this movie, Jack? I 
thought it was great. I, it's no longer in my top 20 of the year, but by the end of 2022, it was my 19th movie of the year. Um, I thought it was very funny. Um, I definitely find his critique of the world a unique way of telling stories. Like, I wouldn't have thought to do the middle segment of the movie, but as a set piece, but it definitely worked with the story. Um, it's not a movie I can easily recommend to everyone because of the middle uh, segment, but I think if you get on the wavelength of the movie, it's fun. It's it made me laugh, and it definitely, and it has a very interesting ending. But I think also it's got people like we. I think that was probably the reason why it did well with the Oscar nominations relatively, is because the ending leaves you something to think about. Yeah, it's definitely, like, I mean, the tone of the movie for 75% of it takes such a sharp turn. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 is, it, is, it does stick with you. <laughs> so, again, very similar movies here. Both are very concerned with capitalism. James Cameron wants to use it all. And uh, perhaps we should let him, I don't know. We have not seen this one. Uh, we just couldn't bring ourselves to go. It was to get a weird. Excited. It was a weird few weeks for us. <laughs> but also, we just couldn't get excited about it. Yeah, it was difficult to get this excited. Is, this is the only multi. I was just gonna say it's gonna be back in theaters next week. So if you, you are feeling excited, we we probably will try to go see right. it next week. But. Tell it, us about Avatar Way of Water. It is a multi-billion dollar movie that nobody talks about. Also a critique of capitalism in certain regards. <laughs> they they do talk about money and tr- trying to expo- exploit something for product. It is more, you know, or, military condu- industrial complex. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all bad, you know. I will say I... Uh, basically spent 10 years saying, you know, I didn't care about Avatar. And about three months before Avatar The Way of Water came out, I decided I was just going to go all in and uh, just commit <laughs> to caring about Avatar because, you know, I needed some joy in my life. So uh, I I went on opening weekend. I had a fine time. I do think it is funny that, like, this is a very objectively, like, dorky <laughs> franchise that somehow James Cameron has like made it seem like he's a jock <laughs> because <laughs> he's like kind of an asshole like, you do watch it and I mean I think there's something to be said about going to see it in theater because you are just kind of like trapped there and after two hours you are you are kind of like well I guess I do kind of care about the C-Navi and you know the Tulkun I was very fascinated to see how this went because so much of whether there will be more Avatar movies hinged on how well this movie did. Yeah. I think now we're in for a total of five. I'm not going to pretend like I'm not going to see them all. I see everything. I have no standards. Uh (laughs) You know who doesn't need Stockholm Syndrome to make a James Cameron movie successful? Arnold Schwarzenegger. Two out of three (laughs) times. Well, I mean, I... Dark Fate was not great. Dark Fate was not great. Anyway, but I Dark Fate was not great. <laughs> not great. I I I am like a reluctant James Cameron 
fan because I actually I don't like him. Anytime I see him interview, I'm like, you're so pretentious, absolutely the worst. But then I watch like a James Cameron movie and I'm like, gosh, there's something there though. God damn and... it, you know how to make movies. <laughs> and he I know, knows how it's... to light them too. That's what it gives looks... me it, it always looks, looks so, so good. good. And then and then like I'll see a trailer for nothing against I like David Lowry, but the new Peter and Wendy and it's like so dark you can barely see anything. I'm like, oh Jesus. But I don't know. I mean, I think my thesis on the way of water really ties into like what this Oscar means for like, you know, the movie experience. And I lump it in with like a Top Gun Maverick, although I prefer Top Gun Maverick. Which also has a military industrial complex thing, but Megan, it's pro. <laughs> I, Megan, I have a very serious question. Mm-hmm. You said you went all the way in in the months leading up. Yeah. What did you dress up for Halloween? Uh, yeah. I have to know. Okay. If you I didn't up dress up as a Navi for Halloween. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was uh, a vampire. I'm always, the only thing I do for Halloween is a variation of something goth. Um, so uh, Twilight was this year, but I did. I was there on opening night and I I like let everyone in my life know I'm like listen I'm not proud of this but I got to see Avatar 2 on opening night and I know it's embarrassing but here this is what we are. I do have important questions too but first I want Jack to tell us yes his thoughts on the movie or their thoughts on the movie. I thought it was very gorgeously shot um the um technology the way they made the movie and i was listening to another interview with him yesterday about how they made it and it's it definitely deserves the visual effects oscar because of the way they had to make it and like the stuff that actors had to go through like they had to learn how to be underwater for six to seven minutes at a time like without coming up for air it's definitely a serious feat of filmmaking um from my understanding the other movies will not be as expensive to make because the technology has now been installed for from this one um but like megan said i will probably see the rest of the series just because i want to see the visuals because it is pretty outstanding what they pull off i could not give a shit about the story (laughs) (laughs) i'll be honest like People tried to just tell me like why this like had to happen and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't care. I just enjoyed watching it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like if it was I like the whales. <laughs> yeah, I didn't need like put them dialogue on mute and just give me the score and the visuals and I'm good. So I think what you're saying is and and Megan, I hope you appreciate this. To me, this sounds like when it comes to the previous Fast and Furious movie, I want to see them go to space, but I also care how. I want to know what yes, story I still care, excuse they'll come up I still up care with. much more about Fast and right. Furious than Avatar. With but, Avatar, it doesn't yeah. matter. Just show us cool stuff. Megan, I don't returning care. in two months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my my final question about Avatar before we move on to films that I have seen is Edie Falco. I have to know. Great villain? Question mark. She's an ellipses. Yeah. Uh, you, don't, you, you don't. Yes. She is 
there for future movies. Ah, uh, Charlize the, Theron in the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, the real villain uh, is all of us. Even <laughs> more. So. Yeah. I see. I just, as soon as I knew she was in this movie and that she was a villain, I, mean, you know, I was like, Edie I Falco, Edie Falco forgot she was in this movie. And I'll, and if you hadn't have said her name right then, I wouldn't have remembered either. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I remember because I haven't seen it. <laughs> she has a great scene, but she's not there. That's what makes me think that like they must have really filmed the second and third ones kind of like a Marvel movie where they mm-hmm. were just filming everything together and then gonna cut them up later because I'm sure she was she's probably gonna be more in the next one. Gotcha. Would be my guess. Makes sense. All right, we'll come back to best picture nominees in a bit let's take on the best animated feature category the nominees for this one to refresh everyone's memory Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio not to be confused with any other Pinocchio (laughs) Marcel the Shell with shoes on not to be confused with any other Marcel the Shell Puss in Boots the last wish which I guess is not to be confused with any other wish or, or any, any other, other cat wearing boots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have the sea beast. No clarification required. And turning red. This is this is the category. Is the frightening movie with the the puppet boy going to win? Yes. And why? <laughs> I think yes. <laughs> what are your takes on this category? I like this category in general. I'm. I'm always interested. I, I find animated feature to be one that especially has been interesting in the past couple of years because somehow it's definitely become a place where like streaming has put a lot of money. I didn't think I would care about Puss in Boots. I am not to, uh, you know, alienate myself from Gen Z's or Gen Zers, but I don't have a great fondness for the Shrek franchise. Um <laughs> So I was surprised by that. I was surprised by how much I liked Puss in Boots. I'm a Marcel girl at the end of the day. Love that little guy. Tiny shoes. Adorable. Made me cry. But I also, like, I, I've never been, like, <laughs> Guillermo del Toro deserving an award. I think not. So <laughs> I'll be fine. <laughs> I wish Marcel the Shell was going to win. It would make me so incredibly happy if that somehow pulled it off. But I think it's going to be Pinocchio, which was much funnier than when I originally read the logline about how it was going to be set during World War II Italy, because that sounded like a fun time for everyone. Um, This was my favorite Pinocchio movie of the year. So (laughs) I'm still sorry. Sorry, Zemeckis. Okay. But but can I just for a moment? You know, Roberto Benini made a Pinocchio movie, too. So Yeah, like, I had to watch that for the Oscars like two years ago or whatever. Oh, my God. Stop <laughs> making Pinocchio movies, people. I agree. People. It is creepy. The, Look, whole, the whole thing. Pinocchio is creepy as a concept, but I have to say, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is the creepiest. <laughs> like, He's, but like, it makes sense for Guillermo del Toro. Like, yes. when it's like Robert Zemeckis's, and I like Robert Zemeckis, but when it's like Robert Zemeckis's Pinocchio, I'm like, no, make a Back to the Future movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I think it's interesting that the 
the obligatory Pixar movie is the fourth or fifth run in this category. It's a it's a solid movie. I think this category is solid this year. It's one of the best categories. I haven't seen Puss in Boots, which I'm really looking forward to watching, but Pinocchio was good. Marcel the Shell with shoes on made me cry. Like it that was such a such a wonderful, wonderful movie that was like stealthily about divorce, which was just like <laughs> unexpected. Um, but also The Sea Beast was it was a movie that I we only watched last week, but I was so shocked at how brave that movie is in terms of like the subject matter and how adorable it is. What I also liked about the CBS is it came out earlier in the year and it was like kind of a surprise hit. Like everyone was talking about the CBS and I was like, what is this movie that like dropped on Netflix quietly? And I love when, you know, something like the CBS is in over maybe like I wasn't a big fan of strange world. Sorry, Disney. But I was like, you know, this, this is a much more interesting choice. Has anyone heard of Strange World? I hadn't. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've heard of it. We wanted to watch it, but we haven't watched it. I guess that says right. something. However, right. <laughs> however, we aren't going to be able to talk about this movie on our next episode because there are so many movies that got snubbed. We can't talk about them all. But talking about movies that were dropped to little or no fanfare on Netflix, there's another one that I know Tessa liked much better. Wendell and Wild, I think, deserved. Oh a my nod. gosh, I forgot about Wendell and Wild until that this is exact a movie second. That I think it can be considered a snub because I think is, so too. Yeah, and I, I, the way that Netflix, Netflix totally botched that because I am like exactly the target audience for <laughs> Wendell and Wild. And the day it came out, I sat down on Friday on my couch. I'm like, I'm gonna watch the new Henry Selick and. It wasn't on my homepage. And I'm like, this is, you've messed something up. This should be number one for me. And it, no one was talking about it. It's Key and Peel reunion, it's, too. It's not just Key and Peel. It's the valets. It's their valet characters from the Key and Peel show. Yeah, exactly. All they didn't do is mention Liam Neeson's. That was it. <laughs> that was, the, they were in character. I don't understand. I don't get it either. I loved it. I think the problem with Netflix is that they invest over invested in animation this year. I mean, I don't because they had two stop animated films, stop motion animated films. They, I feel like they knew they could only put their marketing efforts behind one for like award season. And Guillermo del Toro is a much bigger name than Henry Selleck. And so that was, he, they probably knew that that was the one that was can actually win awards. So. so what you're saying is they should have just called the the movie Tim Burton's Wendell and Wild. Correct. <laughs> that would have done that it. That probably would have he, do, he doesn't have to have anything to do with it. They just name it It would that. have done it is if the action is putting Henry Selleck in an early grave. <laughs> I don't think he's ever gotten over that. <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. Man. <laughs> Good times. Solid category, though. Turning yeah. Red, also Good excellent. Category. Yes. All right. Speaking of all right, let's talk about two all right Best Picture nominees. I'm talking about the obligatory war movie nominee, All Quiet on the Western Front, 
And the other obligatory war movie that's really about war, but not, it's a Paquettean nightmare. The Banshees of Inishirin. It's a very niche. Well, I mean, I'm offended already that you, you know, opened this with two all right movies and are referring to the Banshees <laughs> of Inishirin. Why, why are you so offended? I don't understand. I it was love just all right, the Banshees of Inishirin. <laughs> And I, I think Jack, I think at one point I looked and me and Jack had the same top four movies from last year. So we're going to be on the same page about this. Uh, <laughs> I am the I'm unpopular a type person. It's fine. <laughs> I didn't. And going into it, I was like, you know what? I didn't really like three billboards. I like Imbruge, not as much as others ride for Imbruge. I saw this and I was like, oh. This is a movie made for me. So good. <laughs> Sorry. And all and all quiet on the Western Front is is a movie as well. <laughs> yeah. Jack, why don't you tell us about your experience with Banshees? I thought it was hilarious or like really funny. It also made me very sad. It definitely like like I knew the basic premise of the movie going in, but it definitely was surprised how like it made me feel like i could obviously not to the extremes of the that the movie goes but like i've definitely been on both sides of the main part of the movie about like sometimes like friendships just fall apart for one reason or another and it sucks but sometimes you either have to move on or sometimes you're wondering why your friend just basically vanishes from your life. So it was a deeply relatable movie and had probably the best dog in movies from 2022. Absolutely. If my friend just stopped being my friend and couldn't give me a good reason why, I would also set her house on fire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that I think friendship breakups are a lot of times worse than romantic breakups, especially. And the longer you're friends with someone, like the bigger the breakup. So, and it's also, I mean, I just think like the way that society works is like a lot of the times when a relationship comes to an end, it's kind of like this big impetus and it's a conversation. And then you're like, there's kind of a clean break there. And you don't often have that with friendship breakups. Right. And I, I d will say the thing that I really liked about this film was this idea of challenging what does it mean to be nice and what does it mean to like be someone's friend? Because there's a big conversation happening in this about people who just like, oh, well, you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. So you're just friends with them. Well, like, is that good for them? Is it good for you? Like, what's better? You know, and so it that was a very interesting part of the film for me. But at least respect me and slowly start phasing me out of your life for like <laughs> over the course of like six months. <laughs> I will say I'm not a huge fan of animal violence in films. And uh, according to our producer, Ryan, this was a banner year for donkey violence in Oscar films. Uh, this is like Can the worst Can we get defender. Eddie Murphy on that? Like... <laughs> <laughs> um, but I actually really enjoyed this and I think the more I think about it the more I enjoy it if that makes any sense like it's a movie you reflect on I, quite a bit I I have reflected on it and I do not I like it I know you don't like it what are your any more than I started with I Sam do we ever have the same opinion on something <laughs> I don't know if it's ever happened <laughs> uh, well we'll find uh, Fast and Furious Fast and I think we're fine that on that one together. let's just all it's a remember it's film <laughs> When you, you know what? 
when you get upset with my takes, you just have to remember all the monkey off my backlog Fast and Furious nonsense is, in fact, <laughs> my doing. I, also, okay. let me just jump in. I, I do not get upset. I love to be disagreed with. So, this is sickness. Okay. <laughs> So the thing about Banshees is I don't care about the friendship storyline. It's fine. I don't care. It's fine. What I do care about is the backdrop. I I am not going to have my feelings hurt if Carrie Condon actually carries the best supporting actress category because I think that's where the real movie is. I think, as I said in the notes... My one-line review of Banshees of Inisherin is existentialism is still sad, right? This is a movie about what it means to be alive and go through things day after day. Uh, you know, this is, this is primarily what motivates the breakup of the friendship, but there's also, you know, the sister trying to figure out if her life has more meaning. There is a war happening right over there. And what does it mean to have these silly arguments and debates over friendship when there's a fecking war going on over there, right? Exactly. And, you, and so see, you love it. No, I don't, because I am aware of playwright Samuel Beckett. I don't need B-rate Samuel Beckett when if I want to get very upset, I will read actual Samuel Beckett. That's, I have that's to say, the thing. though, in but, response but, but, but to what let you me, just said. But let oh, me ahead, say this. Just let me say this. Put Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell in a Samuel Beckett play. Would watch. That's true. Absolutely true. I will say, though, because we had this conversation. We actually had to pause the film to have this conversation about Beckett and existentialism and so on. But, like, I think my favorite part was when we, like, kind of realized that the real problem is that Colin Farrell's character is just much dumber than the other characters. Like... He no. just doesn't have like I love the rainbow at the beginning. <laughs> like it's the, so good. The moment when you realize that like everyone else around him is having an existential crisis and he's just not kind of smart enough to have one. Yeah. Like so it, I want to be like that. Right. <laughs> so my my favorite line in Waiting for Godot is well, That's I was going to say Sam the fundamental issue here is I never went to grad school so I'm only familiar with Waiting for Godot. So yeah, when you reference the... Samuel Beckett as the writer that's all I got. But there's a, there's a great line in the play where one of them just finally gets fed the fuck up and says I'm tired of your ceaseless lamentations. <laughs> That's this movie. <laughs> everything's of, everything's already something, Sam. <laughs> speaking well, of everything's always I was something. Say, this is the perfect transition to talking about All Quiet on the Western Front. This year is 1917. <laughs> also said in 1917. <laughs> Let's actually start with Jack on this one. Jack, what were your opinions on All Quiet on the Western Front? Is war still bad? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Or I guess it was in 1917. I haven't, you know, experienced war in this year, but it seems like it's not going great. <laughs> it isn't going great. <laughs> yep. I'll do the hot take. I'm I'm anti-war. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Scandalous. Wow. Scandalous, Megan. <laughs> I had seen the original movie in AP Euro, and that was the only time my only other experience with the story i had never read the book or seen the other adaptation 
I thought this was like I don't think this needed to be made, but I thought it was really well done. I think this movie will probably make other generations experience this story and see how fucked up war is. So I feel like there is actually a benefit to maybe this movie being made just because I don't know how accessible the original one was. It was funnier than I was expecting it to be. It was also very difficult to watch at times. I was surprised by how many Oscar nominations it got, but I think a lot of the nominations it did get aren't like not completely surprised, but they got in those categories. Now this film did win Best Picture at the BAFTAs, which I have to ask: Is did it win the BAFTAs the same reason that Britain is hosting Eurovision this year? This is about Ukraine, is it not? BAFTAs are weird about how they win. I was gonna say, and because Banshees is Irish and they don't respect the Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Nigel is probably wow. listening to this and has opinions. Uh, Megan, what is your opinion on All Quiet on the Western Front? Um, pretty identical to Jack's. I mean, I, I do feel like it is a, a an effective as a standalone movie. I don't know if it is uh, effective as a retelling of the story. I think it's... I, I mean, I haven't read All Quiet on the Western Front since junior year so forgive me uh but i mean i think they focused on one you know kind of plot line of the book if i remember correctly um so i'm sure there will be some high school students who watch this and then fail ap exams uh generally that is the uh, life cycle mm -hmm, of the high school ap exam yes yeah um (laughs) i liked it i do think it was well made i you know, have a hard time being like, you know, I don't know. It, it's it, it's almost, it might be useless to be like, did this movie need to get made? Does any movie need to get made? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think it, I agree with a lot of its theses. I also think war is bad and <laughs> scary. <laughs> it's not my favorite. It's not my least favorite. <laughs> okay. I have to say that it's better than 1917. <laughs> So there, it has that going for it. I, I is felt it like because this was... it's the lack of the gimmick? <laughs> yeah, well, Helps. that and it didn't feel like a video game. Like 1917 to me, I've said this before on the podcast and to many people. So this is probably me just repeating information. But like it felt like watching a video game, like being streamed the way it was all set wow. up. I never this... that had never occurred to me because I don't play video games, but I was like, oh, yeah, they gave you a little task and you had to go do it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. This actually had a story, which I appreciated. I am very tired of World War movies. I I think there are a lot of war or bad movies that you could make that are not about the World Wars. Well, the other thing that's funny is I feel like five years ago, they were like, wait a second. There was a World War before, too. <laughs> <laughs> And that movie, we can talk Cop- about the Germans. Yeah, like... Yeah, Coppola's still alive. We can't do Vietnam movies yet. Yeah, the, the other issue, too, is that, like, I get... I understand the premise of this movie insofar as war was also bad for German sol- soldiers as well. Like, it was hell for both sides, right? The problem I have with this sometimes is thinking about, well, like, yeah, but a lot of the people who survived this then did the terrible things in World War II. Like, I, you know right. what I mean? Like, so to me, it's a well, little Well, that's like a classic. 
yeah. at the end of Wonder Woman where they're like, oh, we defeated evil. World War One is over. And I'm like, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot uh, of crazy happens down the line. But I also think this movie does a good job of saying, like, the people who you who humanize it, the people who you relate to. Spoiler alert end up dead yeah (laughs) and the people who have power and are sitting in a train car drinking tea and are going to start the next war are the assholes (laughs) yeah and that i think was the most powerful part of the movie um so as far as world war movies go this was a pretty good one um but i'm also kind of ready for us to like move to a new war at least please like yeah like but well, I also will say the score is excellent. Like that was the best part of the movie for me. Um, I really enjoyed listening to the score and I'm definitely going to listen to it again. Okay. If you guys will excuse me real quick, I just, I need to transition us to the next category, which is as far away as you can possibly be from all quiet on the Western front. Let's talk about best international feature film. Oh, well, Jack, I know you have something to say about All Quiet on the Western Front, but following that, at least we can talk about the best movie in this category, Triple R. And the second best movie in this category, which we haven't seen yet, Decision to Leave. Oh, fantastic. All right, that's like three different things for you, Jack. Go off. Well, I will just say RRR partially filmed in Ukraine. Oh, about so, a much more that, interesting war. I'm just saying, but that was filmed at Zelensky's palace. I uh, did not know that at all. I, I did not yep, know that either. The, Is that dan- where the tiger throwing the happened? <laughs> nope, the dancing. Not to, not to. Yep. Which will be performed. they will be per- they yes. will be performed at the Oscars. That will be the exactly. of the performed night. At, <laughs> it's actually going to be performed with Zelensky doing the dance. That bring bringing it back to last year where they thought they were gonna have him speak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's definitely some big shocks in this category. RRR and decision to leave not being nominated. The fact that there's actually no representation from Asia at all in this category is kind of surprised because there's several good Asian films that came out this past year. Obviously, I think based on the amount of nominations it got, I think. All Quiet is going to run away with this. Argentina 1985, as Tessa said, would be an excellent miniseries. I love that movie. I want that movie to win. I didn't. But I understand (laughs) that it won't. (laughs) I was watching that and I was like, freaking Sorkin wannabes. They're everywhere now. You you won't even let me tee you up for a Sorkin joke, Megan. Come on. Sorry. Sorry. What am I doing? I'll just leave. I don't need to be here. I'm making a decision. It's to leave. I should provide some context. I was a Latin American studies major who studied abroad in Argentina. So, like, I know that topic well. So, it was definitely very uh, gripping. And I'm like, like, I knew the actors and stuff like that. Actually, when I studied abroad, one of the generals from, was prosecuted while I was there. So that was definitely, like, this whole story is very, like, something I've cared very much and I've been trying to get people to watch it. Um, EO is another donkey movie that had... The donkey's fate is a little better than the one in Banshees, but it does go through some rough patches. And then Close 
is actually one that I just saw the other day, and I was surprised how how much I liked that one. Um, and then The Quiet Girl is one of the movies I've not seen yet, so I can't speak to that one. Megan, what do you think of this category? I liked I liked this category. I don't. I my big swap would have been Argentina out decision to leave in. So sorry. I <laughs> I think my favorite is probably close, which is interesting. It's actually I think an A twenty four movie. So kind of oh wow funny (laughs) kind of a surprise one there um but i'm i'm also i don't think there's any situation in which all quiet on the western front doesn't run away with it you know i had a fine time with the others she's a very quiet girl you should tell us about the the quiet girl tell us something about that movie is it a gender bent remake (laughs) of the quiet man (laughs) No, um, not at all. <laughs> not at that'd all. be great. Would but, you'd watch that movie, wouldn't you? I watch everything. That doesn't that, that stands for nothing. <laughs> um, but no, uh, something funny. So I um volunteer at uh, the local film festival here in Chapel Hill, and three of the movies this year were Women Talking, She Said, and The Quiet Girl. And I'm like, this is just a lot about how much ladies have to say um <laughs> i i liked the quiet girl big big year for ireland another irish picture um it's i mean i probably liked it more than all quiet on the western front i'm a big eo stand love that donkey um so, wait, but is, is close is my favorite <laughs> i i do also have a question about eo having not seen that i understand that it's about a donkey how did they work a donkey into the Michael Jackson 3D spectacular? Captain. Why do you Neo. do this to me? <laughs> well, well, she has how to. do I get out of this I joke? <laughs> you make Where's the a emergency decision exit? to leave. That's I, what you do. I have to say, again, I agree with what everyone has said about uh, All Quiet on the Western Front probably winning, but I loved Argentina 1985 mainly because any other year. This or any other like director, so like Argentina 1984 wouldn't no, have worked. No, for no, no, any other any awards other year. year. This movie oh. would have been what I like to affectionately title atrocity porn. But what is so interesting about it is the idea that they're looking at this through a legal lens, which I just haven't actually seen a lot of in movies. Like the idea of like, we're not going to show you what happened. We're going to talk about how we deal with it after the fact, even though there are a lot of descriptions of like what did happen from like witness testimonies and so on. And I think what I love the most about it is actually that it is an extremely funny movie at the same time. Like the two leads have such great chemistry together. Um, so I found my... it reminded me a lot of like a journalism. Like I feel like a lot of the beats were similar to like journalism movies. Yeah. Uh, and I love that like their their team is like all like young people who don't know any better. Like it's all like really great stuff for me. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. And I wish that it was winning. Sorry, Megan. No. <laughs> but I know that it won't. <laughs> I'm happy for you. <laughs> I mean, if it won over All Quiet on the Western Front, I would... That would I would drop I would lose it. So that's exciting for me. <laughs> I think I'm out of jokes for this category. I am not going to ask. I, I'm I'm just I'm not going to ask how Clive and Jude and Natalie and Julia did in a in a uh, 
non-English speaking film. We'll just move on from there. I do have a fun fact about this category. The Quiet Girl is the first movie to be nominated in this category that is in Irish, like spoken in Irish. I didn't realize it was an Irish language film. I was thinking something that's unusual about this year is there's more Irish representation than English representation. But most of them are speaking English versus this movie, yeah. from my understanding, is speaking Irish. Primarily. And Paul Mescal has been Paul Mescal has been promoting this movie for that fact because our, the language of Irish is fate, like mm. dying out. Right. So. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess that this is the Brexit strikes again. <laughs> Come on back, guys. Anyway, if they'll have you. I don't know. So, okay. Moving on to our next segment, another couple of Best Picture nominees. I think we're going to start talking about, in this segment, the first of the nominees that has a real, real solid shot at winning it all. Baz Luhrmann is back, baby. I knew you were going to make that joke. A mile away, I felt I mean, E-L, because, <laughs> E.L. comes before, alphabetically, E.V. You had to know that's where that joke was going. My man is back. He's back with a movie about Elvis that was great and a trash fire at the same time. Let's start with Megan. <laughs> Tell us all your thoughts on Elvis. Because I really want to hear time. them. We don't have enough time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I don't begrudge Austin Butler this. I think he did good work. The accent thing drives me insane, but that's <laughs> off screen. I think what Tom Hanks is doing is essentially a war crime. Um, <laughs> uh, and the fact that that is the lens which this film chooses to go through what I do think is an interesting life is frustrating you know megan there's a really bad joke to be made here and i'm not gonna make it i'm gonna tell you what all the pieces are okay i just want to point out what movie do you think tom hanks was in australia for when he got covid Mm. all the pieces of the joke are there i'm not gonna make it because it's a bad mean joke but war crime yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely so that's i mean what? I'm not interested. This is this in is our this is what? our biopic what right? the, of the of the right. best yeah. picture. So you, if you're playing and, Oscar Bingo, you have to have a biopic. True. Yes, but it's every time this happens, it's like, well, of course, Austin Butler is getting all this buzz, and everyone's talking about Elvis, and I'm like, where was this for Rocket Man, which I actually did enjoy. Yeah. Um, well, yes. they still so, weren't recovered from Bohemian Rhapsody, which was another travesty. Academy of Award winner Bohemian Rhapsody, I haven't recovered from. <laughs> well, it could be worse. Could have been Green Book. Uh, that's true. It's it's both. They're both a problem. Uh, God, what a bleak time. Honestly, was... I'm looking at this list and I feel good. If Elvis is my biggest issue, I'm fine. Jack, <laughs> what are the ways in which Elvis has hurt you? Oh, mama. <laughs> um, for... First of all, this is one of two biopics that are nominated for Best Picture. Lydia Tar. <laughs> Oh, come Lydia on. Tar is a- Lydia Tar. Thank you. I, we all, I, we all I wish apologize her for my inaccuracy. 
She will come to get you. <laughs> she is a very controversial figure right now. Cancel culture is run amok and <laughs> out for her, but they made a movie about her. Still, none the rest. Look, this movie's if it wins costume, I'm not going to complain. Even if it wins makeup, I'll kind of understand that. I just don't really want it to win best picture or best actor. I know. And I, well, because Sam won't say the joke, I will ask Tom Hanks, was it worth it? <laughs> was it worth it? <laughs> It's fair. It's a fair question. I just don't want Tom Hanks to be mad at me. I don't want Hollywood's dad to be mad at me. I don't want to disappoint dad. I saw the Borat sequel. I have questions about him spreading the COVID virus because he made this movie. What did you think (laughs) of this movie? You initially really liked it. What do you mean initially? I still do. Okay. I it's listen, here's the thing. You you've got to understand. I think we kind of talked about this with Banshees. There are several directors out there. You know what you're gonna get when McDonough makes a movie. I mean, you kind of know the frame it's gonna operate in. You know you, you know, it may be good, it may be bad, it may be something stupid about billboards or something about sad people on an island but you kind of know right baz is the king of making movies where you know what it is going in and i think both of you could have said going into this movie blind that you didn't like it i don't know i'm not i'm not anti-baz i like gatsby more than most people i grew up on moulin rouge and romeo and juliet i don't have an issue with the over-the-top, campy structure of this movie. I have an issue with Tom Hanks. Well, that's, that's absolutely <laughs> fair. I just, I don't want to have to wait another almost decade for another Baz Luhrmann movie. I get, that's what I really hope coming out of this. This was a big hit. I don't think it has to win an Oscar for him to get another paycheck. I'm pretty sure his wife will win one of the two Oscar yeah. nominations she's nominated for. Will Baz ever win an Oscar? Wait a minute. Better he, question. Does he need to? Better question. <laughs> Who wins an Oscar first? Baz Luhrmann or P.T. Anderson? Baz Luhrmann. Paul Thomas or Paul <laughs> or the other <laughs> one? <laughs> I I loved it. I mean, it's 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 a Baz Luhrmann movie. Like I am prepared to go back and watch Australia and decide that I also love that movie. <laughs> you mean, uh, you you mean those like, two apparently, movies? <laughs> apparently they're releasing like the full Australia cut. I'll look this up. I saw this oh, hearsay somewhere. Not, do I will not say, tempt me with a good time. I will say yes. about Elvis that there are parts of Elvis's life that make me deeply uncomfortable. And I really when he met wish... Doja Cat? Yeah. But what, about his, what about his child bride? Yeah, is that, is that okay? Of, yeah, and there's and it bothers me how much Vaz was willing to be like, let's just not talk about how old she was. Um, but I I do appreciate that Baz does try to grapple with the idea of cultural appropriation in this film and like why Elvis exists the way that he exists and like 
the fact that he was participating in this big music scene in Memphis and, you know, you get to see little Richard and, you know, all of these people. I, I appreciated that. I actually thought that was a very interesting take on. I on appreciated that. that too. I just feel like that is what is interesting about this story to me. Right. And a yeah. lot of that was brushed over for things I cared less about. Exactly. I, no, I totally agree with you. I think this movie has like definitely a framing problem, but the most Star Trek references I have seen in an Academy Award winning movie or Academy Award nominated movie in a long time. <laughs> okay. And Sam, I just wanted to let you know, allegedly, as of last year, Bob Lerman is turning uh, Australia, the director's cut into a six part limited series. Oh, yes. <laughs> you and Quentin, you know what I need. All right. I, <laughs> you know, this reminds me of the discussion about Babylon by the way. Uh, these are both shaggy movies that people have knocked for being too much and too long and too much things happening in a too long movie. Which, by the way, I just want to say, go back and watch The Great Ziegfeld with William Powell. They used to make movies like this all the time back in the 30s and into the 40s. Bring them back. You make it... You make it seem like we do not like Babylon on this podcast. I think we I all think agree. I think everyone Babylon loves Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> My hot take about Babylon is that Damien Chazelle finally got a good performance out of his wife. She was the best part exactly. of the movie. She was the best part of the movie. I do, Lazi, if you're listening, which is the better Babylon? Damien Chazelle's or David Gray's? That's a Britpop joke. Do you, do you want me to move to everything, everywhere, all at once? Okay. What'd you guys think about the movie that's going to win? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a fan. <laughs> it is, I mean, I think everything, everywhere, all at once, not to leave the film criticism portion and enter the, uh, you know, uh, award season complaints portion, but I do think it is not benefiting. It's we're talking about it too much. It's been too long. It's been out too much. People have too many opinions. People are coming late to the table with hot takes. Voting just started today. How much have we talked about these goddamn movies? <laughs> I'm worried. Is women talking going to win? No. I, is that what's going to happen? Okay, good. Over my, I cannot imagine. <laughs> if it does, I would be like, oh, they made a mistake. <laughs> what if they voted the way they do in women talking? Well, interesting. A consensus must be made. (laughs) Point to the googly eyes. No, this is me being like, let's leave the Oscars. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Can we take Ben Wishaw with us, though? Yes, obviously. Don't leave him behind. (laughs) He's a soft boy. Um, We'll get back to him later. (laughs) Yeah, but I I love everything everywhere at once. I do think it still would be very difficult for... It to not win, I think it has a lot of goodwill, but I also think it's been a very long season, and it can be worrisome. We talked before we started recording about the Chadwick Chadwick Boseman thing, and when things start seeming like a given, that can hurt its chances. However, with the preferential ballot, I still don't think there's any way that it doesn't win, but that's how I feel. Well, considering it was my favorite movie of last year, I think I loved it. I think I was shocked that it got as many nominations as it did, but 
Um, like the fact that both Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Hsu got in speaks how much people really love the movie. Basically, the main cat, like the whole, like Stephanie, Sh- Sh- like I could have seen one of them getting in, but the fact that both of them got in just kind of speaks to the power of the movie. And if only one of them had gotten in and it had been Jamie Lee Curtis, I would have been a real hater about it, yeah. to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was so <laughs> glad to see Stephanie Shu's name on. I mean, she she has so much to do in that movie. But Jamie Lee Curtis did win the SAG. I would have been upset that Stephanie didn't get nominated, but I would have kind of understood because Jamie because she's younger and Jamie Lee Curtis has been around forever and has all the connections. Nepo baby. Yes. <laughs> she is the Nepo baby. The Nepo baby. <laughs> she told us the in blueprint. case we didn't know. She told us. Yes. Yes. I mean, her first role was as a scream queen, and her mom was Janet Lee. Yeah, I wonder how she got that. I love her. I love her. <laughs> I think the biggest nomination surprise for me with this movie actually is that it won or got nominated for best song. I don't think anyone. I mean, people were. It was obviously on the list, but I don't think people really thought it had much of a chance. Even though David Byrne is a previous winner, but like the fact that it. Also got nominated for song, which usually songs just choose random ass movies, as evidenced by one of the nominees this year. <laughs> um, Not random, it's Diane I think Warren. Just kind of show, <laughs> I think it just shows that like across all the cat or all the different like groups, um, th- there's just like a universal love for this movie. Um, so I think it's, I would definitely put money on it winning. I mean, the only movie that I could see probably beating it for best picture is probably Top Gun Maverick just because of the preferential ballot, but I think everything everywhere is probably going to win. You've answered my question before I asked it. (laughs) As for the uh, song, I do want to say I think it's beautiful. There's bisexual representation by putting David Byrne and Mitski on the ballot because yeah. (laughs) I didn't realize that Mitski had helped with the song. How does yeah. that make you well, I was watching nominations like Tessa's David Byrne and Mitski. I'm like, oh my god, Mitski, that's <laughs> yep. great. Yep. Yeah, I love everything, everywhere, all at once. It actually took us a minute to see it because everyone was so hyped about it, and we were just like, okay, we're we're just gonna see this eventually. It's so good. Like I, for a multiverse movie, which is it's so weird to see sci-fi movies represented in the Academy Awards ever. Like, even though Shape of Water won, like, a few years ago, it's still weird to see these types of genre movies get this much attention. And, you know... And it's a weird one, too. It is a weird movie. Because, like, you watch something like Arrival, and you're like, okay, this, like, I can see how a general audience might, like, latch onto this. I left this movie, and I'm like, that was fantastic, and there's no chance my parents care and my mom saw it and she's like i thought it was wonderful and i was like excuse me (laughs) yeah it's so strange how weird that movie is i mean an oscar nominated film has an anal plug scene yeah anal plug fight scene very prominently like used in the film so like it is it's such a strange film but people love it everybody loves it and it works so well it's undeniable and the other thing (laughs) i think a lot of that is just like this incredible like soul and message that it has like it's very anti-nihilism 
Um, it's very interested in like how people relate to each other and how we treat each other. And the cast is amazing. And it is mostly an Asian cast, which, you know, I always am going to appreciate. We'll talk more about the acting later. But I-, I was so impressed with this movie. And I think sometimes, like you said, Megan, when you like assume something is going to win because you're like, oh, that's like the top tier. Like, that's the thing. Sometimes that can be really dangerous. It's kind of like we were talking about Jordan Peele the other day and this idea that we're just like, oh, well, this is better. Like, nope is better than good Get Out. But then we forget how good Get Out uh, was. For the record, right. I because still, we just I've always thought that Get was Out fine. was better. You know, like, it's just... Okay, I was going to say, I'm like, yeah. wow, hot no, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I, I was, think... That's how the debate started. I, I think still Jordan think Get Out's Peele the best is three one. for three fantastic movies. Oh, so absolutely. I'm not going to... I don't begrudge anyone who... It's like one over the other. But, like, it's one of those things, though, where, like, sometimes, like, a movie is just so... Like, you've just been so saturated with it, with, like, the discourse and, like, everyone loving it that you almost forget yeah. how good it really is, if that makes any sense. And it's sense. been essentially a full year of that. Like, right, exactly. you know, it came out so early last year. And, I mean, I do think it benefited from having a little bit of a slower start, like, kind of starting as more of a, you know, off-kilter indie movie that's spread by word of mouth, maybe. But I didn't think it would maintain the momentum and i do think it's like i do think you know we talked about the preferential ballot i think there's no way that this doesn't win even if someone's like well my favorite is x so i'm putting that first Mm -hmm. i think it'll be enough people's first or second choices that'll be hard to beat there's a one kai or why reference to this movie just like added to the joy but when i saw this movie it's like and then that scene happens like god damn it they suckered me in you know i have a really hard time with this movie because i really liked it and i want the acting awards to go the way that i truly believe they will although best actress is apparently the x category of the year having said that i do want top gun to win and (laughs) and i know you know why but we'll get there when it's time okay but but this is definitely, I mean, it may be the best movie of the year. That doesn't change what I think. But it's definitely one and two with those two movies. But you're not going to sure. be upset if it wins. Why there would I years... be? Exactly. I, I will tell you, if it does win, there will be two chances for the thing I want to happen at the Oscars to happen. You guys remember Spike Lee and Samuel L. Jackson? Yeah, obviously. I want Keegan Spielberg. Oh, of course we do. Well, so, I'm going to take us. I'm taking control of the podcast. We're going to best. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. I got you. You're going okay. to like this. You're going to like All this. All right, let's do it. Let's do let's, it. I'm going to say something that I never say in everyday life. Let's talk about men. <laughs> and and we're actually, for, for purposes of not taking 17 hours, we're going to talk about all the men right now. We're talking about both categories. We're talking about supporting role. Uh, with nominees Brendan Gleeson, Brian Tyree Henry, who many of us know. Love that nominee. Let's get it there. That was a surprise. Love that nominee. (laughs) But that guy's going to have a career, and he is going to win an Oscar at some point. I believe I think he should have won for, well, he doesn't have a big enough role. Anyway, continue. He's excellent in Widows, though. Continue. We got, (laughs) he's excellent in everything. Come on. We got Judd Hirsch. We've got Barry Keoghan. That's right. The joker another joker got nominated for an oscar that makes three 
And two Eternals. Yeah. Huh? Right. Good point. In the same category. <laughs> and Kihue Kwan, who you might know as Short Round and the guy with the boxing glove under his jacket. We also have actor in a leading role, Austin Butler, Colin Farrell, Brendan Fraser, Paul Mescal, and that lovable scamp, Bill Nye. <laughs> Is Austin Butler going to win? Is Kihue Kwan going to win? And wouldn't it have been nice if Brendan Fraser had a better vehicle for his Oscar triumph? Yeah, I did not like the whale. We don't need to do that today. But <laughs> uh, I'm going to start with supporting because we were just talking about Kihue Kwan. I, I did this whole spiel about how, you know, it's when something seems like a given, then there's danger because people are going to vote for their favorite. I think there's no chance he doesn't win. Fucking not. If you <laughs> saw him up there accepting his like Golden Globes, etc. awards, and you know working the room with Spielberg, you've lost your mind. Everyone wants to see that acceptance speech. If he doesn't win, we riot. Also, I'm a little <laughs> bitter because I saw that movie, and I'm like, everyone's gonna be talking about Michelle Yeoh, but I think that the real star was Kiki Kwan, and then everyone had the same opinion. So it was kind of a bummer. <laughs> I also want, by the way, for bonus points, I really want Harrison Ford to be there just for, so he can like bounce between the two of them. Right. And I would cry. So there's a bonus right. bonus yes, forever. Exactly. <laughs> Callista, send him to the Oscars. I know he doesn't like to do anything, but send him. He'll have a good time. You know he'll it. He'll have he a knows good it. time. He should get out of the house more. It's just, you know, once he gets there, he'll have a good time. He's having a moment right now, so it definitely thinks. I feel like he could be there. I, for all we know, he could be the one who does the best picture nomination. And then if everything everywhere wins, he'll be on stage with Key. Let's not know. We cannot try and set things up again. You know what no. happened the last time. This, 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 this is what Soderbergh thought, and he flew too close to the sun. And then I'm not. Don't worry. I'm not going to mention the person, but. If he doesn't win, I want Spielberg to uh, repeat what a person we don't name did at another award show. No. Take the mic. <laughs> no, you are not say, hey. referencing Taylor Swift no. and Kanye oh, oh, oh. in front of my face. Oh, <laughs> Megan. Megan. Imagine, imagine if Spielberg did that. Okay, but Just the optics of Steven Spielberg doing that for Key I, would I'm be sorry. great. I'm sorry. Hold on. Uh, we haven't done this in a while. But Tessa, we have to do a podcast within a podcast. It's Sam talks to Megan about Taylor Swift. Did you hear, Megan, the the interview that Mr. Taylor Lautner did with Mrs. Taylor Lautner on their yes. podcast, yes. on which she asked him if he could go back and change one moment in his life, what would it be? And he picked that moment saying he wished he had done something more. He said yeah. this to his wife. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I, how does that make you feel? Who is also named Number, Taylor Lautner. <laughs> that cannot be yes. a detail that gets stressed I, <laughs> I love, I love that. Number one, because it's unhinged. Uh, an unhinged <laughs> question. He sounds like Mark Wahlberg's opinions on, like, if I was on the plane, it wouldn't have gone down like that. Like, everyone relaxed. <laughs> um, and I, I do think it's entertaining, and I love that his wife like grew up a swifty and team edward that's just like an amazing fun fact um <laughs> i'll stop uh, hey how do you get a song like back to december written about you 
by not being a jackass. That's how. I was going to say, I'm like, he is like the only one who even at the time came out looking good. But, but so you, he did fine. Final thought on this podcast within a podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you like yeah, how Taylor Lautner said he would turn around and change his own mind? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this has been. <laughs> if I was his wife, no. <laughs> But let's be honest, I could never marry someone who at one point dated Taylor Swift. The insecurity no. alone. <laughs> you don't want that in your life. This no, is, this toxic. Has been, this has been an episode of Sam Talks to Megan about Taylor Swift. Join us when we do this again in a couple months. Where were we? Uh, I think <laughs> we're on Austin Butler, actually. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> what do we think um, about that category? Jack, tell us, tell us, tell us. If I was voting, I'd be voting for Paul Mescal, but he has no shot. So um, I want the other uh, sad boy in this category, Colin Farrell, to win. Oh, my God. Uh, I think if he... you reward him, he'll just keep doing what he does. And I'm not sure any of us want that. And you know what he does being I a handsome, good actor? Boys. I'll reward it. Irish boys deserve to be sad. Yeah. Award them for it. He's Name not one always bad thing sad. That's Sometimes he's the penguin. <laughs> the language is dying, Sam. It's a tough time to be Irish. <sighs> oh my god! Oh. I do agree with you that Paul Mescal had a really good performance in After Sun. It might be one of my favorite things about After Sun. Um, I don't have a list of favorite things about after. But I, I, not... I do think that Austin Butler kind of has this one in the bag. I would be surprised if someone else won. Pleasantly so, but I would be surprised. I'm also still holding out for Colin. I feel like Brendan has lost all momentum as okay. that movie has completely. As people have been able to actually see the movie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I think Which people realized awful. they were. I know, yeah. Well, awful. I mean. I think people were more interested in his renaissance than that movie. And eventually that's going right. to hurt you. <laughs> now, our our producer is telling me in my ear, uh, he's trying to remind me that what he said was, it was a good movie up until the very end. Jack, is that a thing? I have not seen you it. I haven't seen it either. I will say... The, oh, I remember your comment in... about the whale. Somebody is morally opposed to purchasing it. That was you, yeah. Yes. I will say what might work in Brendan's favor is he won the SAG. The actors are the biggest representation of voters for the Oscars. Not granted there are other voters that are not part of SAG, but he did win the SAG. And the Everything Everywhere crew is kind of taking him under their wing. Like, they're like... Champion him. I don't know if you saw, but like, because he was the only non everything everywhere winner, but from the movie category, he was like off to the side. They're like, no, Brendan, you take the photos with us. Like, so I feel like there's like, there's something happening where I, I might actually end up voting for Brendan when I do my ballot. I want Colin to win of the three that have the strongest chance. Colin is the one of those three that's, I think, fading more than Brendan because he hasn't won shit. We are very close to the Academy Awards becoming the A24 Awards, are we not? It's true. Because that's, that's, I did not know the whale was A24 until I, somebody said it, it was a SAG sweep for A24. 
<laughs> I, I yeah. If you saw the tattoo on my ass, then you would know that I'm okay with that <laughs> decision. Okay. I I have to say, going back to best supporting <laughs> actor for a second, uh, Brian Tyree Henry in the Causeway was excellent. There, that movie's not going to get enough attention because it's the only thing going for it, unfortunately. But I did when I when that came up on Oscar morning, I was delighted. I love to be surprised. Eventually, <laughs> I think you're right, Sam. I think like this is we're starting to see more and more of him in these award shows. And I think it's just a matter of time. Like that is that is who this person is. And I'm I cannot stress this enough. I also want to say that Judd Hirsch getting nominated for what essentially is like a 10 minute performance in the Fablemans, just like, oh, but it's a good it's, 10 it is minutes, a good 10 minutes, but it just <laughs> makes me laugh so hard. It's a better 10 minutes than Brendan has in the whale. Oh, wow. I, but I do want Brendan <laughs> Fraser to do good work. I, I don't just... begrudge Brendan Fraser and Oscar. I just don't think you should win it. If the movie isn't good. So I, I hope just, he gets better work. <laughs> I just, this episode's definitely going to come out before this happens, but I wrote an article for the print copy of Movie John, the upcoming print copy of Movie John, about another Darren Aronofsky movie, one that I think is good. And I just remember at the SAG Awards, Brendan Fraser specifically mentions what it was like to work with a genius filmmaker like Darren Aronofsky. And I also saw something today from a Best Actress nominee that we'll talk about in a moment saying people didn't understand her film. And I'm like, I hope you guys are not drinking the Kool-Aid. I hope you are saying what it is political to say. I just, I don't know, man. I'm kind of afraid to watch this movie. I think we will. But, eh. Hong Chao is excellent. I hear that. I, I think the movie in general is just kind of like misery porn in a relatively uninteresting way. I think Sadie Sink's character is sent from the devil incarnate. I didn't love it, but I do want the best for him. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> the Mummy 4? How many? Yeah, just bring How it back for another movie. I will say like, th- there is a lot of goodwill uh, for Brendan Fraser. I went to see this movie in theaters on opening weekend, and the local chapter of the Brendan Fraser fan club hey. had showed up early to pass out packs of tissues. That is nice. <laughs> so that, that was really nice. <laughs> that is nice. Okay. My my one line review of the next best picture nominee. What a strange episode of Dawson's Creek this was. It needed more <laughs> Joey. We had Jen from next door as the mom in this one about a boy who was obsessed with Steven Spielberg. I think it needed more Pacey. Yeah, well, what project doesn't need more? You know, I almost mentioned the affair when we were talking about Brendan Fraser. There are two actors that were in a bad vehicle together. Mm. Mm. Boy, oh boy. What did we think of the Fablemans? We'll start with Megan this time. I really like the Fableman. Uh, the Fablemans. I think the Fablemans has suffered from it not being what people expected it to be. I think everyone went in going, the Fablemans is going to be Spielberg's ode to love letter to the movies, you know? And then it was just kind of like a weirdly... <laughs> 
prepubescent <laughs> divorce story um, <laughs> that I was much more interested in because it was that. I think we as society take Spielberg for granted. I think everyone leaves a Spielberg movie and goes, well, obviously that was excellently made, well shot and stunning. Um, what's he up to next? Uh, so I I think in in another year with maybe a, a better, you know, kind of social media blitz, this could have been mm -hmm. better. But I think it kind of fell too short for the snobs and was too snobby for a general public. <laughs> you know, I really agree with you, Megan, about the whole like leaving a, a Spielberg movie at the theater. I There is one exception to that that I definitely remember. And the I best. guess the only Ready question I have is, uh, is he... I wonder if he's going to make another Munich because boy, is that a Spielberg movie off the theater? Not thinking what you said. <laughs> Munich. I oh. haven't seen. Oh, <laughs> Tessa hasn't seen it either. I have not Jack, seen it either. Jack, have you seen Munich? Yes. Oh boy. Jack, what when did you people think of say... Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say when people say Munich, my, my head just goes bridge of spies. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Jack, what did you think of the Fablemans? I think between this and West Side Story, Spielberg has finally redeemed himself for Ready Player One. <laughs> wow. You're like, it took two movies, two wow. movies to make up yep. for that one. He is, out of, is that his worst yep, movie, Jack? finally out of director jail. No. <laughs> what is I his think worst the post, movie? I think the post but, is worse than Ready Player One. Is that a hot take? Wow. Of the ones I've seen, uh, probably the BFG. Oh, that's BFG funny. is pretty bad. That is a... That is a Spielberg I movie. About that. Like in my head, Ready that's Player a one, movie. <laughs> Ready Player One is pretty bad, but has some moments. BFG cannot recommend. Okay, cannot. Could you it. recommend the Fablements? Yes, I um was all in. It was fun. I thought, like, I mean, I knew the story before I saw it because I'd seen the documentary about him. Um, like the story, but like. And learned about, like, knew about his life, which this movie is mostly pretty accurate to. I thought the acting was well done, like, by Michelle Williams and Paul Dano. And even Seth Rogen was really good in this movie. I don't think enough people are actually talking about his performance because it's very different than his most of the roles he takes. Um, I thought Gabriel Rubel, who, uh, first time actor, like, could not be easy to be directed by the person you're basically playing um, in your first ever movie. The cameo at the very end of the movie was excellent. Um, I like. I'm so glad everything everyone won the SAG, but we could have had that act that actor be a SAG winner, which would have been hilarious when you looked at his career when he that actor fought, uh, finally hangs it up. Um, so I was definitely big into this movie. I also liked seeing have I haven't seen all of Spielberg's movies, but I've seen most of them and I think it was fun to see like little nods to his movies throughout. Like The Kids on Bikes was obviously T, like just like you could see the homages to a career that's gonna come. I think what I loved about it was that you did get those little references, but they didn't feel like too 
self-referential like it did it never felt like he was like winking at you like oh remember that i did et like, like ready player one yeah it, it really felt like this was <laughs> that just wasn't his... a wink that was like a, Punch a in flashlight the face. <laughs> <laughs> but like i mean like but the thing is, is that it's his childhood and so obviously he borrows stuff from his childhood and that's kind of what it felt like more than it felt like him trying to seed his own films into into this movie and but it, it was, I also liked the fact that even though it wasn't, like you said, Megan, it wasn't really an ode to the cinema. I liked how it was about, it was about craft in a lot of ways. And like the idea of how he learned his craft and how like part of it was this, his family and part of it was just like the way that he would play with pictures and sounds and all of that stuff. And I just, I found that, like you said, way more interesting than thinking about like, oh, he's a genius and like. Yeah. Oh, to cinema. And his parents want him to be an accountant. Yeah, yeah I, I actually think I actually think there were only two. Just off the top of my head, don't quote me on this. I think there were only two references to classic films in this. Um, there was a reference to Liberty Valance, and there's a reference to. Um, they go to see the, the circus. greatest show. What is it? The greatest yeah, show on earth. Show on earth. Yeah. Yep. Uh, there could be more, but those are the two that I remember. And in a movie like this, you would expect there to be a lot more of those. Like, and then he was watching, you know, Ben Hur. You're and then expecting he was watching the this. end of Babylon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I mean, I just thought the restraint in this was so good. I think for Spielberg, especially. And wh- one of those references, the great, like the greatest show, like. That's the movie that that was the first movie he ever saw, like in real life with his parents. So like, it wasn't like even like, oh, we're gonna like reference like he's like this actually happened. Let me show you what it was like to experience. This I movie also on the big just screen. love not, we we can't get too didn't deep knee deep in the nitty gritty, but I love how like he goes to see the first movie and it's not like his eyes are light and his life has changed. It's like he's scared and then at home he's like. How did they do that? I relate. I relate so much more to being like obsessed, staying up in your bed. Like I can't fathom how this how this exists. I just, I just also want to point out to go back again to the movie everybody hated except for me, Babylon. Slander. <laughs> 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 but by the way, <laughs> the greatest show on earth, a movie with elephants, that was. Over three hours long can win Best Picture. Y'all could have nominated Babylon. <laughs> they should really the same movie, <laughs> but with Marco Robbie, so objectively so better. better, much better. <laughs> I okay. So let's talk about Lydia Tarr. She's out of line, but she's not wrong. She's innocent. <laughs> I love Tar. Tar, tar, tar. <laughs> I, in oh, another okay. year, in another year, I think that it's egregious that Kate Blanchett loses this. I think she will because she already has an Oscar and Michelle Yeoh is fantastic. Yeah, Jack's correct me. She has two. Michelle Yeoh is fantastic and that movie is a much more universal hit than Tar. But if you watch, like, even just that opening interview scene alone, could anyone do that? But Kate, no, she's a superstar. <laughs> she made me buy trousers. It is influence. <laughs> wow. wow. Is, I, I don't know what to say to that. I don't know. 
what were your wow. thoughts on on tar jack well in terms of the influence of the costume a certain segment of the internet probably was upset this did not get dominated for costume design because i know many people who watch this movie and are like i want to dress like woody atar um i thought this this was one of my favorite movies of the year i think the performance is outstanding again like if she won the oscar i want michelle yo to win yeah to win but if Kate Blanchett pulled it off, I can't be too upset. Um, it is definitely one of the best performances of this decade, of this century. It's a movie that definitely sticks with you. I thought um, it was well done. It was well, like, just shot well. And the music, or, like, the sound of the movie was, like, from the music being played to, like, the sounds you hear, like, it's just a movie that definitely could live in, and it's also the best movie made by a cast member of Twister. I was going to ask if Sam would allow me to make a very cheesy joke. Yes, please. I'll allow it. <laughs> okay. Jack, would you say Kate is a star? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Ooh. I love Not it. Not to encroach on your territory. <laughs> I, I like what you said about sound design, Jack, because friend of the podcast Melissa on another podcast wild pretty things said that tar should win best sound design just for the sound that the sound that happens when Kate Blanchett's head hits the ground in that one scene <laughs> just for that she should win or the movie should win oh, um, I have to say I loved this movie too uh, this movie feels like a really excellent film version of the meme the worst person you know has like made an excellent made a point. Great point yeah <laughs> that that it feels like that is what this movie is i did want to ask though because i've seen several people say this and i have to agree with them this film is a horror movie is 100%. that thoughts that you all have had it's like i mean it's structured like a ghost story like yeah. it's spooky <laughs> <laughs> Well, as a person who's, you know, often trying to get canceled on the internet, it is definitely a horse horror movie. <laughs> See my future right in front of me. <laughs> Sam, what did you think of Tar? I I like the horror movie element of it that I mean it's it's a movie that could have very easily been very bad because it could have been very pretentious and over the top. It could have been very pretentious and uh heavy-handed it could have been but no it was pretentious and this movie <laughs> so which is fine it's there's nothing so you know, good. but here's the thing there's nothing wrong with making a pretentious movie just but it nothing. knows it's pretentious exactly but it doesn't but it Back doesn't it undercut up. it it is yeah. like it is like earnestly pretentious <laughs> but know, also like she like because you watch it and you're like spoiler alert you're like let her play mars fifth right come on this... we're so close <laughs> yes this is okay so the movie the past nominee and winner that i would compare tar to is actually green book because no, no, no. why would you do that because <laughs> because the directors of both of those movies think they're saying something and they say it in the most pretentious way possible. The difference is Tar is good. Well, and I think too, and I really like that you brought up the idea of earnestness, Megan, because I think that we're finally getting over 
the horror that has been the last 10 years of like not earnest ironic cinema with their Joss Whedon uh, type dialogue and their Dan Harmon type dialogue and which I'm not like complaining about Dan Harmon but like the point is is that we lost sight of like how good earnest movies can be and I think we're finally starting to get these like crops of films that are like no like Let's actually take this seriously. Let's lead into this vibe. Everything, Let's be everywhere, earnest. all at once. You and just, yeah. and I, th- I think also I was worried after last year because Coda won last year, and I was almost mm-hmm. worried there'd kind of be this backlash of like, okay, well that's like too too treacly mm-hmm. too sugary uh like let's kind of pivot all the way back to you know whatever the opposite end of that is and then for you know a lot of the front runners to just be like very straightforward earnest movies like even fablemans etc cetera, etc cetera. banshees say what you will about existential existentialism i do think is coming from a very human place and isn't trying to be smarter than you I think the one that's the most sarcastic here is Triangle of Sadness. <laughs> yeah. I This whole conversation reminds me of the best line that Mike Judge ever wrote from Idiocracy. We need to get back to thinking about not just who farted, but why. <laughs> Idiocracy is not a good movie, but that's a good line. And with that, let's talk about we already talked about men, so now it's time to... It's not women talking. We are going to talk about women, you see. And so uh, so we have actress in a supporting role. We have Angela Bassett, Hong Chow, Carrie Condon, Jamie Lee Curtis, Stephanie Hsu, a category where really anybody could win. I don't know that they will. Well, no, they won't. Only one person will win. And then we have actress in a leading role, Kate Blanchett, Ana de Armas, who definitely won't be winning... Andrea Riseborough, Michelle Williams, and Michelle Yeoh. Where do you want us? Who? Where to begin? So in supporting, I'm hoping, I mean, the only one I can't speak about is Hong Chao because I have not seen the whale. Uh, of the other four movies I have seen, I'd be happy with any of those four winning. It'd be awesome if Angela Bassett won just because it would be I think there's a certain segment of movie people who are very anti-Marvel movies so it kind of shake that system up um, but I mean if somehow Stephanie Hsu won I obviously would be super excited if Jamie Curtis pulled it off I'd be excited I mean I of the I don't think Kara Condon's actually going to win I think her winning at the BAFTAs was more of we fortunate at the BAFTAs than her chances mm-hmm. elsewhere. I mean, I thought she did a real good job in the movie. I just don't think she's actually going to pull it off. And then with lead actress, it's definitely between Michelle Yao and Kate Blanchett. And I think Michelle is going to pull it off. Just the momentum's kind of going her way. I think Kate Blanchett's kind of starting to like support that decision, like not intentional or not obviously, but like she's kind of. I do feel like I Kate's think, like, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. Anna de Armas's nomination kind of feels like the same way Rami Malek's was for Bohemian Rhapsody for Dion, like nominated because they had to deal with a problematic filmmaker and survived the movie. I don't think she's gonna win like he did, 
that was a weird year for Best Actor, but I think her nomination was partially a reflection of, like, you had to go through hell to make this movie, and so she should get we're a special award you because like mm-hmm. yeah not yes. supporting or not best lead she should, just a, her she own should award. get a check she doesn't yeah. need no. <laughs> really, really quick fun fact about Ana de Armas and Michelle Yeoh two Bond girls nominated for Oscars in the same category and I know mm-hmm. what you're thinking Sam did you look up to see how many Bond girls have won Oscars why, yes. Yes, I have. The answer is one or two, depending on whether you believe Never Say Never Again is an os- is a Bond film. We don't, so Kim Basinger's award means nothing here. Halle Berry. Yeah, yeah. So there's a very good chance two Bond girls will be Oscar winners. I'm excited. Soon. Uh, Jack, we have to also have to talk about yes. Andrea Riseborough. <laughs> If you insist. <laughs> the Academy does. I did say when I saw this movie in my review that she will probably get a nomination for something. And I guess this is the something. She's a great actress. She does lots of great roles. It really sucks for her. But this is the movie she got nominated for. And there was a lot of shady things that happened with her nomination. And it also came at the expense of two black women. So it's a whole murky. Like, I don't fault her. I fault a lot of people around her for putting her in this situation. Because there was no... This is a movie that, like, I'm made sense for it being an Indie Spirit nomination. It does not, in my mind, make sense to be an Oscar nomination. And it... I, it really sucks that two really talented actresses got kicked out because of her and Ana Darmas, but Ana Darmas is a more traditional movie that I could see if gotten nomination. I know some more people are angry at Ana getting nominated. I'm more upset about the two Leslie marketing or whatever the shady dealings that happen. Megan, what do you think about best supporting actress and best actress? Yeah, I I mean, it, regarding to Leslie, imagine my surprise when this was nominated and I go to Letterboxd to see where I can watch it and I found I already had. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, it had been like a year, so that's not my that's not my fault. Um, so I I didn't rewatch it. I I guess I gave it a three. It was a fine movie. Um, didn't stick out to me at the time. I saw it at a festival, so who's to say what the state of my brain was at the time? But that was, I mean, that is, that was crazy. I do feel like, you know, a lot of the conversations happening after that, you know, were probably good exercises for the Academy to have given how it all went down. You know, I I don't think that, you know, it's not like they could take it back at the point it's happened, but it was, you know, I do think it probably has opened a lot of examination to, you know, how these nominations come to be. Um, Michelle or Kate, I'm I'm thrilled for either of them. Um, supporting actress, I, you know, I love Angela Bassett. I'll be thrilled if she won. I didn't love Black Panther Wakanda Forever. I thought it paled in comparison to Black Panther. But I will say she was burning the house down and, you know, uh, was kind of the only, like, excellent performance in that movie. 
if you know, I prefer to think of this as Hong Chao's uh, nomination for her line of tortillas in the menu. Um, and nice. you know, I I don't foresee me getting upset about anything happening here unless Andrea Riser or Anna Darmus wins. I mean, come on, blonde, really, really? blonde. I, you guys all watched Blonde and were we like, did <laughs> we watched that? Oh my god, for me. I mean, I really feel like Michelle Yeoh has this. I'd be mm-hmm. shocked if she didn't. And to me, it feels very nice because Michelle Yeoh is just, she's just such an icon, like probably more in Hong Kong than she is here, but still. Um, with Best Supporting Actors, I actually am going to predict that Jamie Lee Curtis gets this award because I think that she's like, the person that everybody kind of can agree she on. Is, she's like their publicity team single-handedly also. Yeah. Like yeah. she is, talks about it. She's out there just like, you know, uh, on the press tours, you know, hyping up everyone else. Yeah. And, and when you look like at she... like the past couple years of Oscars, like the, some of the most successful movies are ones that have been promoting as a unit you know like coda they were all like on all the press tours together uh parasite they were all together i think that's really benefiting from them this go round yeah i mean i would of course prefer angela bassett or uh, stephanie Shu to win but i i have a feeling it's going to be jamie lee curtis i i don't think so and i'm going to play the age card here as say, always. No. I I Angela Bassett is winning an award for those arms in What's Love Got to Do with It. <laughs> she was snubbed the first time and she's going to win this time. That's it is the- like one of those things where it's hard to be biased when it's just like some of the most beautiful people in the world. Right. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just like it's like that. Angela Bassett sitting next to Anna Armas and, and Michelle Yeoh and I'm like okay. I, I do think, I honestly think, I mean, that is a serious take. I think that anybody who picks, I feel like there's a 100% chance that anybody who's not picking Angela Bassett in this category, they haven't seen what's left got to do with it. That's, that's my thought on that, is that this is a victory lap for a movie she should have won an Oscar before before. Not that she's not deserving for this role, because she is. She'll also win it because Chadwick didn't. By the way, this is a weird makeup award for that, too. Right? Because Black Panther 2 is a movie in his memory. They make that very clear. I really hope that Michelle Yeoh wins, too. I think she will. She deserves it. Yeah. Okay. I was just going to say there are three MCU uh, actors in the supporting actress did you know that is that five total across the actors or are there more no there's more michelle yell is in two marvel movies in two different roles and then kate blanchett hey which all keys caught in joining them to you all three villains of the most recent batman movie are nominated all three of them i'm just now realizing that all three of them including the one you just see in a you know, throwaway scene. <laughs> Even he got, no- hey, his character also got thrown away in the movie. Hey. And Paul Dano almost got nominated. Yeah. We're having fun now. Speaking of fun, let's talk about the movie that everyone laughed at me. Because before the pandemic, 
I was super excited about this movie. I was ready to finally, after all these years, after all these false starts, after all these promises, after the tragic death of director Tony Scott, we finally are going back to the danger zone. And damn it, it was such a good movie. (laughs) It wasn't a disappointment at all. It wasn't a nostalgia trip. It was a damn fine movie. It is the best, best picture nominee that Miles Teller has been in. (laughs) You heard me. I I probably agree with that. I probably agree with that. Um, And I I will say, you could say everyone laughed at you for how excited you were about Maverick, but let it be known. I, of Fast and Furious fame, would have never laughed at you. You would have never excited. laughed at me. I agree. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm not going to get Where into Where were the... you? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to get into the murky waters that is Tom Cruise's public persona. Let's but not. damn, can he make a film? <laughs> yes. I'm excited for Mission Impossible. McQuarrie. I'll watch whatever he does until he dies jumping out of a plane. Yes. <laughs> that is the energy I need. Thank you. Ah, oh, man. Yeah. What did you think Big of the fan. movie, Megan? Big fan. I mean, it's silly in the perfect way. It's I. I'm also not really a Miles Teller gal. I am a huge Glenn Powell gal, so I was happy with how that was going down. I think there is something undeniable. I think if you get to the point where me, uh, Megan Spell, and I'm in a theater going, you know what, USA, then you've done something. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's it's hard to argue with that. (laughs) Would you like to try, Jack? The only reason why we're all chanting USA is because we don't know which country they are facing off against. Right. So right. How which, are we supposed to which, chant? You know what? I you know, I think was smart. I think I think we all know, but I think they were clever was, for not it saying was, it was Genovia. Oh Genovia. Yeah. <laughs> Man, she really militarized that country. <laughs> you do I was not want to leave Mia Thermopolis in charge would of things. Never. Uh, you saw what she did at the Oscars. It wasn't good. That wasn't her fault, and you know it. Okay. You know James was giving her nothing. <laughs> well, I guess we know where you stand in the Chris behind James Franco debate. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, Jack, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Well, just looking at the fact that Top Gun and women uh, talking are paired together, there's basically as many male characters in women talking as there are female characters in Top Gun. So I thought that was pretty funny pairing. Meg Ryan, not invited back. Nope. I thought Top Gun was great. Um, I had a lot of fun seeing this in the movie theaters. It was... um, the first time I had been back in the theaters for several months when I saw it. So I forgot like how loud the movies are, but I just enjoyed the ride. Um, it was made me really think of the original one, which was obvious. I also really liked the story structure of this one. They tell you about the mission. They like run through the mission multiple times, give you rehearsals. So then when the mission starts, you know everything that has to happen so then when things go, you know how they go. I also like 
the meta commentary of Glenn Powell being the adversary to Miles Teller because Glenn Powell made it very clear he wanted to play Rooster when the movie was being cast and he was very pissed when he was not selected. So the fact that he plays the Iceman in this movie was perfect casting. Oh, well, I think he's the only one who came out of this looking like a movie star. I, Miles Teller was perfectly... Jennifer Connelly came out with I apologize. Like Miles yes. Teller Jennifer looks Connelly, like... Jennifer, I meant of, like, the youngins. Uh, uh, Jennifer Connelly, it was excellent. Jennifer but... Connelly is young. By the way, I think Miles <laughs> Teller... I think Miles Teller could be successful in uh, as one of the major parts of an ensemble cast of a hospital show. I, so, I thought so you were I, just going to say Miles Teller isn't a, like pure leading man and i was going to agree no. with you no i, like I, him I as think flavor. he has exactly the same amount of star power as anthony edwards i i have to say though like for a movie that anthony edwards is not in like i was just like goose like i don't know if that's just my <laughs> er fandom like speaking through or not but like for a movie he's not in there is a lot of nostalgia for him in this i film. mean yeah but that's yeah. that's your love for goose that's right, yeah. <laughs> i mean miles teller is coming in with a lot of goodwill just because right. of the history we right. all have with the character but i mean to be on like screen with uh you know tom cruise and to be eating scenes up like glenn powell I, my wow. only complaint is where was manny jacinto i know he was there show him to me <laughs> i i don't know if Top Gun will win, I don't know if it should win. I do know that I want it to win. That's but one awesome. other thing that I also know, one award Your that I think Top Gun, one award that Top Gun Maverick should absolutely win is the Star Wars Memorial Award for Backfilling Canon. And this award originated when it was discovered that Captain Rex is at the Battle of Endor. They actually aged Rex to make him look like an old dude who is in the background in Return of the Jedi. No digital CGI required. It just worked. That is masterful. What is also masterful is the fact that Jennifer Connelly's character is the Admiral's daughter featured in a throwaway line in the original film when... We are listing all the things that Maverick has gotten in trouble for. One of those is messing around with an admiral's daughter, who is played by Jennifer Connelly in this movie. And that is why Top Gun Maverick wins the Star Wars Memorial Award for backfilling canon. (laughs) (laughs) And now let's talk about women talking. Ben Wishaw can't. A completely hey, different vibe. Well, well I, again, and I've already made one Ben Wishaw reference. I just, I just want to say Ben Wishaw can be the token man in my life. It's true. Yeah, it's I'll take true. Paddington. I'll take him. I love Paddington. Who doesn't? <laughs> He's also Q. He's Q and Paddington. Jack, Ooh, why that don't would be fun. <laughs> Jack, why don't you start with this one? I was shocked how much i really liked this movie like i knew what the movie was going to be about i knew that there was a good chance that i was going to like this movie but i really liked this movie i thought the performances of all the actresses and ben did a great job i thought um the like i knew there was going to be different like 
characters were gonna have different opinions and they obviously were gonna have to like debate and like discuss but i thought they sold their views on it and why they're making the decisions they're trying to make throughout the movie very well done i thought i even like the cinematography a lot of people don't like the cinematography they think it looks awful i liked it i don't care what other people think <laughs> i want sarah i want sarah Polly to win that oscar for best adapted screenplay give it to her she deserved more nominations so i am rooting for this movie in adapted screenplay i wish jesse buckley was in the supporting actress nom- uh category um but that's all my rambling thoughts on this movie Megan, what did you think about women talking? Okay, I'm going to start off by saying, Jack, I agree with the cinematography choice, actually, because I think if you look at it through the lens of, you know, in theory, this is a very picturesque place. You know, you have this open air, open fields, but it's kind of been tainted by, you know, their view of things and they can't see it as like an idyllic society anymore. I think it would be crazy if it was just like beautiful sunlight and blue skies and et cetera, et cetera. So I agree with you on that. I loved the movie i messed myself up i read this book like a week before i saw the movie so i was like okay yeah and then they have this conversation okay yeah and then they decide to do this okay yeah and then she gets angry okay yeah that's how it all goes so i think i did myself a disservice by reading it too close to seeing the movie um i do feel like it hasn't gotten as much attention i mean you know something like this is maybe never going to get as much attention and to put it up against top gun is a little difficult um (laughs) but i i was a fan and i agree and i think it i think it will win adapted screenplay i think sarah polly has a lot of good clout in the room although she did get snubbed for best director which, Don't get me started. Yeah. <laughs> Which women can't direct. We've talked about this. <laughs> they can talk. What do you mean a woman direct. director? Like you're what? saying these things That's and so, I don't understand. Yeah. No, I understand. <laughs> we also have one. Women can't direct. It's not the fable women's. <laughs> <laughs> I loved this. Women movie. can be kings. They can't be directors. Exactly. <laughs> The old guard just won't let it go. (laughs) I loved this movie and I was really not expecting to. Like I went in to watch this and I was like, this is going to be a movie that's about like, like women, like girl boss feminism or whatever. And like, it's going to be very weirdly anti-men and it's going to be a Frances McDormand vehicle, which she's barely in this movie, which was so that, surprising. That is the best part about this movie. Yeah, the, like, yes. the conservative use, the like, sparing I, use. Because like, I think in my mind, I was like really still in like three billboards territory yeah. with this film. Yeah. Um, but then when I watched it, it, it is so... It is so nuanced in its take on these issues. And that was not something I was expecting. I was expecting it to be like women good, men bad. And the men are bad. But like, it's very... That was the takeaway. I'd still agree, but continue. But but, yeah, but like, it is very nuanced because I think when we're having these conversations about feminism now, the problem is, is that we're with all of the anti-trans stuff that's been happening over, you know, the, the past few years, especially and how that's been intensifying a lot of feminism hasn't really caught up um, in terms of like how to talk about feminism without making it like reinforcing those gender like binaries. And so that's what I was really afraid this film was going to be. But this film is actually kind of utopian. Like the way that these women are trying to decide what they want their lives to be like and 
like trying to imagine a world that's better where both, you know, their daughters and their sons can, you know, grow up and not be monsters or victims. I think that that's a really interesting take. I like that there was a trans character in it that was really well done. Um, yeah, I and the acting is lovely. The acting is really good. It's like 12 Angry Men, but in a barn with women. And I do feel like it's almost and funny. And funny. Yeah, it is funny. Weirdly funny. Yeah. Uh, I do feel like it's also almost more anti-establishment yes, than like anti-man or even anti-patriarchy maybe. You know, they're in this very niche specific scenario that, you know, which None is based of us on a true story, by the way. Of course. Yeah. And when they come around to do the census and you realize the time that this is taking place, it's like completely shocking. Yeah. But I I I agree. I think it's so thoughtful and it's it's not I think it'd be really easy to make this movie and either make them like angels or make them like simpletons and i right. think every they all come off so authentic and real absolutely sam what did you think about women talking i think it's okay to say i recognize all the good things about it and that it's a good film i just didn't don't stand out to you care same way no Fair. it doesn't take away from anything anybody said i haven't heard a thing i disagree with okay. eh. Uh, it's fine. You hate women. No big deal. I do. It's uh, fine. It's, 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 you like know, Francis McDormand's character in the film. You're just like Francis McDormand. As soon as, it, as soon as it flipped over from loathing to self-loathing, it was really interesting. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of, I guess, the last category we're going to talk about in full tonight before we wrap things up. Are you sure? It's only been two hours. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is what you say when you're watching a good documentary. <laughs> <laughs> I worked with what I had. Uh, the nominees for Best doc- uh, Documentary Feature Film this year are All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navalny. We've actually managed to watch all of these except for House Made of Splinters, which we haven't gotten to yet. Tessa, we never start with you. Oh. You yeah. Start with me? Let me catch you off guard. Okay. <laughs> uh, this was a good year for documentaries. The only one, I mean, I haven't seen a House Made of Splinters. The only one I actively, and I didn't dislike it. I just didn't, I was uncomfortable with parts of it was Navalny. Um, which is very clearly CNN propaganda. <laughs> um, but like an interesting CNN propaganda. Um, but the the th- the three of these five are just so excellent. All that breathes, all the beauty and the bloodshed and fire of love are just such all three of them are just amazingly good documentaries. All that breathes was a, a documentary that I wasn't expecting it to be about what it was about. Like the premise is very straightforward. But it actually ends up being a lot about climate change and how um, we interact with our environment and how we take care of our environment or how that environment tries to adapt to things. It's also about, like, what do you do when no one else cares about something that you can see is very important? Um, so very, very well done documentary. Plus, the, the again, peop, uh, 
documentaries that have two people going about their lives, but they have really good chemistry is always like a plus. And that's something that happens in All That Breathes. Same thing with Fire of Love, of course. What what are what are they called? Volcanologists? Is that yes. is that their term? Uh Volcanologists in love. Like what what else do you want out of a movie? Like um I was so charmed. It was so cool. <laughs> and like the it's it's beautiful and it's like weirdly romantic that these two people found each other and like bonded over this one thing that they're both obsessed with, but it worked for them. All good stuff. Um, and I learned a lot about volcanoes. Um, but I think the one that I think should win and I think has a good chance of winning is All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. I really um, think that. I didn't know you thought that. Yeah. I'm surprised. Um, again, I was... This movie, I think, will win just because of the what it's about um, and the fact that we've been talking so much about um, opioids in the U.S. and uh, how the Sackler family specifically... Um, was responsible for a lot of misuses of opioids. Honestly, that wasn't the most interesting part of the film for me. It was her life and her involvement in the LGBTQ community, um, which is kind of the big middle third of that film. Um, It's very well done. I think it's interesting to look at this person. It's a little bit messy in that they're look they're they're saying that they're looking at one specific thing, but then they end up looking at all of these things that are sort of related to each other and they and to see all those connections through this one person's life, like connecting AIDS to the opioid e- epidemic and talking about like all of those types of things. I just thought was so brilliant and I don't usually see documentaries structured like that. Um so yeah, I think that it'll probably win, but Really good, good year for it. I'll what be the pessimist. Think? I, I yeah. still think Navalny's going to win. Oh, you um, think so? Oh, I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess I could see that too. But, Ukraine jazz hands. What did you think, Megan, of this category? I uh, agree. I think it's a really strong category. I have seen House of Splinters. I thought it was okay. I, it wasn't the top of the list for me. I think between Fire of Love and Beauty and the Bloodshed, you know, those two are, you know, top of the list for me. I, the first time I saw Beauty of the Bloodshed, I was like, this is, is kind of a mess. You know, I'm like, does it want to be like <laughs> Patty Smith, just kids? Does, is it about the opioid crisis? You know, like, what are we getting to here? And then I, I was watching it again with one of my friends who is, you know, doing the Oscar list. And I was like, oh, actually, masterpiece maybe uh so (laughs) i haven't really i still am i recognize that um fire of love was you know made in a little lab for me about two people who against all odds fell in love and then died (laughs) together um what am i supposed to do but to give into that uh so i liked i like this year jack what did you think so fire Club was one of my favorite movies from the beginning of the year last year when I saw it at Sundance all the way through the end of the year. I love that movie. If I think it, the score should have been nominated for best score. I also love all the beauty in the bloodshed. I'm going to, but I do think Navani's probably going to win it because CNN propaganda. I will say with that movie, that the call, the call that Navani has with one of the people that poisoned him does make the documentary all worth seeing. Because I think 
that was like the fact that they got that i think i was watching that and i'm like they they just won the oscar because like and it's also like navani's like the one that my parents watched and called me about you know like it's out there like like, navani is definitely an interesting person i'm not like obvious i'm not supporting putin navani is also a complicated person but um but i think the when i saw that phone call part of the doc i was like this is probably gonna get nominated and will probably win i would much rather all the beauty win just i i'd like fire of love would be the one i'd vote for but all the beauty would be probably the one i'd be kind of more excited to win over fire of love just because it is the story it tells the way it goes about it is more unique than i feel like the other four documentaries including fire of love which again was one of my favorite movies of last year. And I do feel like All the Beauty has the momentum. Like, I think if anyone's going to take Navalny, I think that's the one, but I still think it's a long shot. Yeah, you're probably right. I We watched, because we were watching movies for the Indie Spirit Awards, we also watched a film called The Cathedral as well. And, you know, seeing those movies so close together, I realized... What I like best about All the Beauty and the Bloodshed is not something that's come up yet. It's the story, there's a really stealth story happening in this documentary about her sister. I mean, it's, it is it is made text a couple of times, but all of these events that happen in her life have been affected by this question of possible parental abuse. And after seeing the cathedral uh, in this movie, I said to Tessa, people are learning the language to talk about this kind of abuse. The floodgates are about to open. We are about to hear a lot more narratives about, about children who were abused in a very neglectful way, a very middle class, you know, bourgeois neglectful way left on their own the latchkey kids right and man i saw that i i saw that in her as an older person and i saw it i basically saw my own childhood in the cathedral and that was very interesting but i mean so i you know like it's not gonna win because navalny's gonna win and fire of love might be the better documentary I'm still rooting but, for all that breathes too, though. Oh <laughs> I love man! That I just, you know, here's what I, I want, liked though. all that breathes, but it's it's I a know tough it's year. Not, hey, if they but... get another fat check because it was an Oscar-nominated film, I think that's yeah. Ana de Armas and these guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is it. It's our final thought segment. It's your last chance to air all the hot takes you haven't aired yet. Jack, why don't you go first? Let them all out. I'm really hoping that the Oscars do the right thing and open the show with Not To, Not To. I think that would be an incredible way to open it. And I think if you if they opened it with Not To, Not To, I think people will remember this Oscar no matter what happens with the winners. Set the tone. Just because I feel like that. Have fun. Yep. <laughs> Throw some time. And like they've proven <laughs> and they've proven that they don't need to do the like songs like in 
the theater like they did the beyonce song for king richard on a tennis court and like they can they can record and make this like an epic like obviously it'd be really cool to be like on the stage and see it but like if they want to make it epic with like hundreds of like a hundred dancers they can do this i think they should what about what about if we do the grand spectacle and then at the end they bring it home to a perfectly segged live performance why can't we have both that would be pretty cool i mean and i've i haven't heard the diane warren song yet um but the other ones are definitely much more um subdued so i think they will definitely bring that um and then i'm just i'll be curious to see who the big winner in terms of total awards is it going to be all quiet is it going to be, uh, or is it going to be everything everywhere? One of those two, I think, is going to be the most biggest winner of the night. I am also very in interested of in amount. that. Yeah. I feel like, sorry, I'm just going to jump in. I feel like it's going to be everything everywhere just with the acting because I think the technicals could be split with Maverick and Avatar in there. Word. My, my final thoughts. Um, nothing we've talked about today is as egregious as one of the documentary shorts. So if anyone is avoiding the documentary shorts, feel free to continue. I don't want to jump ahead to the next episode, but Nope is freaking fantastic. We are definitely going to be talking about Nope in the next episode. And I'm depressed about how that went down. And my final take is, Diane, you have to pick better movies if you're going to do this to me. <laughs> you have to. I watched or retire. I watched Tell It Like a Woman, which was made to support women filmmakers, and I left it and thought, maybe we don't need to, because it was so bad. Can we inaugurate what I'm going to call the Megan Spell scale? And it is... On the one hand, everything that is right and good. The man, the myth, the Riddick, Vin Diesel. And then on the other hand, you have the signifier of, don't do this to me again, Diane Warren. <laughs> yeah. That is Which, there the are Megan plenty Spell of Diane, scale. Of fantastic Diane Warren songs have there been in the past five years. I don't know. <laughs> And yet every year this season comes around, it's like, all right, I got to find some movie that doesn't exist because Diane Warren wrote a song. Oh, she should have written a song for the, uh, for, uh, the, uh, the Irish girl. The quiet girl. Quiet girl. Well, yeah. she was Irish. The song could have been called she The Irish, Irish Girl. <laughs> she was Irish. I, and I would have preferred Two Birds, One Stone. Still couldn't have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you could. I could have. I apologize. In in a fe- <laughs> in a festival fever dream, you saw it. Mm-hmm. That's how I see most things, unfortunately. <laughs> Tessa, hit us with a hot take. I don't know if I have a hot take, but I will say that despite the fact that we talked for three hours less than we did last time, what we talked about was mostly positive. And last time we kept saying this was a weird year. I didn't hear that once during during this. So that must have means that somebody's doing something right. Um, I think think we're just better podcasters, maybe. (laughs) I think we've just given up. We've given up on on this, exactly. (laughs) I, 
yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to add to what we've said already, which I think has been some really good analysis, except for to reiterate that Margot Robbie's dress, strategically placed scarf, should win best costume design. And that's all I have to say. I will say the dresses and Mrs. Harris go to Paris. Or we're falling they in love with good. her. I was so disappointed by the end of that movie, though. <laughs> like, I was really with that movie until like the last 10 minutes. And then it just like, went into a very you, like you can be happy no matter what station you're at yeah it, it became like it was actually very anti-establishment until the end and then it was suddenly was like not anti-establishment anymore but the rest of the movie you, was great yeah. you can break <laughs> out of your you can break out of your zone for like a weekend yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yes the the costuming was also great and i also enjoyed um I can never remember his name from Emily in Paris, but I also enjoyed him being the exact same character in Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will give you two hot takes that are no longer hot because I've said them already. Babylon is nominated for costume design, original score, and production design. Three, I, I'd four, be three. Three, four, three. <laughs> I would be very happy with that. Here's something I'm not happy with. Do you want better TV ratings? Do you want to keep your crown as the quote-unquote Super Bowl for women? Well, sir, make sure people can see the nominees before the ceremony on their TV. I don't care what the nanny says. Just because Fran Drescher wants the pandemic to be over doesn't make it so. This isn't difficult. You know what else isn't difficult? Next time, Ryan's going to join us to talk about the movies that should have been nominated but weren't. Again, this isn't difficult. Especially when you're talking about The Woman King and Nope. Join us as we get our ahem vengeance. That was a decision to leave reference because uh, he made the yes. <laughs> vengeance trilogy. Jack, where can people find you online? They can find me at Twitter, Jack Tweets Wife, and at Letterbox at Jack Loves Cinema. Megan. I am everywhere at Spell Megan. Tessa. You can find me on Twitter, Letterbox, and Storygraph at the By Paradox. I almost forgot what I was saying for a second. Uh, you <laughs> I can... brought Burgundy. <laughs> You can also find me on my other podcast, Nanny Ogg's Book Club, where my friend Nigel and I are reading through all of Terry Pratchett's Discworld novels. You can find that on Twitter at Nanny's Book Club. You can find me on Twitter at Sam underscore Morris 9. You can find me on Letterboxd and Storygraph at Melody Valentine. You can find writing from Tessa and myself as well as our producer Ryan Obbs on moviejohn.com. That's moviejawn.com. Feel free to join the 2023 Mumble Book Club, also on Storygraph. Feel free to also join our Discord, the link for which is in the episode notes. We're also going to be having an Oscars watch party on our Discord. We're going so to be having please, an Oscar watch party. Please join that for the night of the Oscars. I had no idea. Yeah. Cool. Woo! We're going to do Woo! predictions. It's going to be fun. 
Chaos, chaos, chaos. <laughs> I just want to point out that at least since the La La Land Moonlight Oscars, I have won every single Oscar pool every Will year. Will it continue? No. No, it won't because I've said that out loud. We'd like to know your... Yeah, I know, right? We'd like to know your... I'll start being right about something else that ultimately doesn't matter for a long time. (laughs) We... We'd like to know your thoughts on this year's Academy Award nominees or what you'd like for us to talk about on future episodes or what you'd like for the Academy to get right. Anything and everything. Hit us. You can find us on Twitter at Monkey Backlog. You can join our Discord community. Check the show notes. You can also email us at monkeyoffmybacklog at gmail.com. Please take a moment to rate or review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Get that monkey off your back. Yay. Yay. We did it.